Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and we have a packed episode, so let's get into it. First up, here's our In the News segment. Big news story of the past seven days. So this was pretty cool to see if you follow Kerry Kennedy specifically on Instagram. But according to the Daily Mail, the Kennedys posed for their annual 4th of July photo in Hyannisport with RFK Jr.'s son, Connor, joined by his model girlfriend, Ava Dash, at the family's compound. They're like a big it couple right now. So that was exciting to see her at the compound. Carrie Kennedy, daughter of former United States Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, took to Instagram on Monday to share the new family portrait. And it was taken by the water and featured dozens of family members. Carrie's daughters, Mariah and Michaela Kennedy Cuomo, also shared photos from the weekend on the Cape, as did RFK Jr.'s daughter, Kyra. And as most of us know for decades, multiple generations of Kennedys have celebrated the 4th of July in Hyannisport, where they enjoy boat rides and the annual parade. Next up, according to CapeCod.com, author, former senior White House official and journalist Lawrence Hawes will join the Cape and Islands Veteran Outreach Center and John F. Kennedy Museum in Hyannis for a presentation on the former president and the military. How war and military service shaped JFK will take place at the museum and provide attendees with the opportunity to deep dive into the history of the Kennedy family, especially in how military service shaped later United States policies. So if you're interested, limited in-person seating at the museum is available on a first-come, first-served basis with all other registrants after the limited seating is filled being able to participate via a link to the live-streamed event. There will also be a question-and-answer period with Haas during the event, which this whole thing takes place on Thursday, July 15th. Next up is our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. I just felt like we all needed to hear a little bit from Rose Kennedy today. So here she is speaking at a campaign event for her son, Robert F. Kennedy. His whole life has been one of dedication and uh, interest in uh, the public good. And I'm sure he will work. You all know that he works and works and works. And uh, I'm sure he will use every effort as he has all through his life to uh, lead this great country and to unite all the people. Because, as I said, it's ridiculous when we have all the resources we have and we have the determination, we have the faith, and we have people just so eager to do everything. And so I'm sure that he can unite us all, and with your help, he will lead the United States to a very great future in the next few four years. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into the Q&A. Therefore, an answer to your question. I thought this was a really fun question. Who are some dream interviews you would like to do? So this is tough because I have a very, very, very long list. So this is not an exclusive list by any means. Um, There's a ton of people I'd love to speak to for sure. 
But one I really want to speak to right now is Carol Radswell, because I just finished her book, What Remains, and it moved me so deeply. And I would love to speak with her about the journey of writing that book and her journey of losing her best friends and her husband in the same summer, which I just can't even comprehend or fathom myself when I put myself in that position. So I would love to speak with her. She was, if you don't know, uh, the wife of Anthony Radswell, who was first cousins with JFK Jr. and Caroline. And uh, they were all best friends, Anthony and John and Carolyn and Carol. I don't know. It's just a very tragic and beautiful book all in one. So I would love to speak with her. I would love to speak with Clint Hill, of course. I would love, of course, to speak with Caroline Kennedy. There's a lot of a lot of people <laughs> that I want to. Maria Shriver, I just love her so much. Catherine Schwarzenegger-Pratt, love her. I mean, honestly, there's just no real straightforward way to answer that except for the ones that just popped in the top of my head because I have a long list of of goals for interviews. So I've loved to have spoken to thus far. It's been so much fun. And I, I just love this whole process of being able to speak with people that just have studied the Kennedys so in depth and different topics about them. And I'm learning so much from them. So I can't wait to do it more in the future. So that leads me into the episode this week. I'll be back with one of my typical solo episodes next week where I'll actually be talking about the life and career of Ted Kennedy. But for this week's episode, I was joined for a conversation by another awesome guest. As I just said, I'm having so much fun this summer chatting with authors and historians, and I hope you're loving listening to them as well. It is a, a most fascinating story, and I must say it's a beautiful book. Today's conversation is on the prolific year of 1962 with noted author and historian David Krell. He wrote an incredible book called 1962 Baseball and America in the Time of JFK. And his passion for baseball began in childhood when reading books like John Rosenberg's The Story of Baseball and playing on Springfield, New Jersey's Little League teams. He's a regular speaker at the Baseball Hall of Fame and Society for American Baseball Research Conferences. But for this project, he began in-depth research of the year of 1962 as a whole and how it impacted our country in politics, sports, space exploration, pop culture, and so much more. So 1962, baseball in America in the time of JFK takes readers back in time when America's optimism was at its highest and it goes beyond news accounts to examine an extraordinary year. I have learned so much from this book. So without further ado, here's my conversation with David Krell. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Allison. I'm so excited that you are here. This is such an interesting book, the way that you tie everything together, and I just know the audience will love it so much, so I'm stoked about it. First, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Well, I got into the writing of books because of a layoff, and I know that you started your podcast during a pandemic. It seems mm -hmm. that in times of crisis, we emerge with new ideas. I had written tons of articles about entertainment and law and sports, and people always said you should write a book. So during the 08 crash, when I got laid off, I took a writing of a book proposal course. I didn't know anything about book proposals. I thought you just go into an agent's office and you say, here's my idea, and that's it. But in a book proposal, as you know, it's a very elaborate document. So my first idea didn't get off the ground. My second idea was a book about the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I took that same workshop again, thinking only to write about the 1962 baseball season because the Mets and the Colt 45s debuted. And my professor, my instructor, a literary agent himself said, books with broader topics get more readers. So think about it. And when I went home that night, I realized, wait a minute, Kennedy was president. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis biggest crisis in America, in my opinion. 
We had a lot of TV shows on at the time that are considered classics. We have movies like To Kill a Mockingbird and Advice and Consent. There was a lot going on in popular culture, in history. We had John Glenn orbiting the Earth, first astronaut to do that. And there was this promise, this idea of possibility and optimism in the air. So when I went back to the class the following week, I said, okay, it's a revamp. Here's what I'm thinking, guys. Half baseball, half JFK, NASA, movies, TV, pop culture. And it got such a great response that I said, I think I'm on the right track here. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you that you are definitely on the right track. So what inspired you as a whole for the 1962, this is what you honed in right. on kind of thing. Like what made you think, you know, this is the year of baseball and JFK. Was it that Cuban Missile Crisis and everything happening at once that just was like, okay, obviously this is it. Kind of like well, you said. It, it hadn't been done, at least not in mm -hmm. baseball. There have been books about the 86 Mets, about the, the year 1968, which as you know, was an iconic year. It was a volatile year. Uh, we've had books about 1921, 1927. I've never seen a book about 62. And I couldn't believe it because it was such a pivotal year in America. And I knew, as you know from reading the book, the Cuban Missile Crisis, it's not a microscopic look in my telling of it because that's been done. I can't add any value. I'm not taking a microscopic look at NASA or John Glenn. Those have been done. I'm giving you a slice of life. Short of inventing a time machine, I want to give you a peek into what life was like in 1962. Now, I was born in 67, so I had to rely on interviews and contemporaneous news accounts, footage, and YouTube has been such a great resource. There's audio of Kennedy counseling or seeking the counsel of former President Eisenhower before he's going to address the nation about the Cuban Missile Crisis. The audio of him debating with his top advisors about the value of space. And he did want to go into space. And he's seen as the, the father of that movement, where he gives the speech at Rice University. Why does Rice play Texas? We go to the moon because this is what we do. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically it. We're an adventurous people. But when he talks to his advisors, he's saying, why do we spend all of this money on space and we spend so little on desalinating the ocean, on removing salt from salt water to solve a potable water crisis. So it's very interesting for people like me to go through those YouTube audio uh, segments. And as you know, from being at the Kennedy Library, archivists and librarians are there waiting for you. And the more obscure question, the better. They love it. And I had the pleasure of going to the Ohio State University, to the John Glenn Archives, to Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame. These people are so helpful. 
So writing is seen as a solitary endeavor. It's really not. You have to assemble a team and you have to treat people like teammates and they're at the top of the list. Absolutely. I, I want to mention for the audience too, I kind of spoke to you about it before, but I, his writing style, David's is incredible with the way that he does tie it all in. Because like you said, those things had been covered so much, but I was telling David before that I love the way he kept a timeline for the year. So he was infusing all of these interviews and all of these moments in pop culture, celebrity, in our politics, national crisis, baseball, right. like everything that's appealing to the modern, not even modern, everybody, always, all of these facets, he continued to tie together that in such a timeline form that just keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. So I want the audience to know that it is an incredible read in that way, for sure. Thank you. Um, so... Let's dive in. Take me on the journey of some of the prominent moments that you cover in the sure. book. Like, what were your top ones that you just loved diving into? Well, the Cuban Missile Crisis, that speech is iconic. And I break it down because Kennedy was so effective at speech making. But one of the real treasures that I found, Allison, was a speech that he gave at Yale. And Kennedy is a Harvard guy, but he uses humor to kind of I guess, diffuse any tension there might be from the enemy camp coming into Yale. And Kennedy talks about how many of his top advisors are Yale men. And it was kind of a, a rivalry, but a sibling rivalry, the way he positions it. John Glenn orbiting the earth, going through his papers uh, in, in the archives at Ohio State. That's just a, a, an adventure for a researcher. There was so much to uncover. Uh, things like Bo Belinsky, who some older listeners might know of. Bobolinsky was famous for pitching a no-hitter and dating actresses. He, 28-5-51 lifetime record, not a great pitcher by any stretch of the imagination. And unfortunately, he had demons. He had demons relating to alcohol and his relationships failed. Three marriages were busted. And he found sobriety later in life with uh, the, this pseudo family in Las Vegas where he worked for a car dealership and they became his pseudo family. So things like that were so um, interesting to me because you see something in the news, but there's a story behind it. It's not, it's not, it's not just, I guess it's, it's too easy to say, well, he was living the life of Riley was the swinging sixties, sex and booze. And everywhere you go on the sunset strip, people are patting you on the back and giving you free drinks. So of course, but not everybody did that. Not everybody fell victim to alcohol. Not everybody treated relationships that way. So that was a real, uh, a real interesting journey for me to talk to Bo's friends from later on in life and give me that picture regarding baseball, just going to the Hall of Fame, finding these stories about players whom we may not remember too well, because there's Mickey Mantle, there's Roger Maris, there's Don Drysdale, but there were plenty of other players who made a contribution that year. And again, just the aura of optimism that began with Kennedy. In 1962, Dodger Stadium debuts. You're in Los Angeles, you go to the ballpark, these beautiful aquamarine colors on the seats. It's just a, a wonderful emblem of what was to be, of what America could be, because no longer were ballparks and cities. This was outside the city. It was 20 minutes from downtown. So there, there was a sense that things were changing. And yet, when you go to chapter one 
and I write about Route 66, which was a show about two guys in their 20s in a Corvette going across the country, shot on location. They go to Boston and they encounter a guy who's full of patriotism, or so they think. Turns out he's a white supremacist. And the FBI recruits the two guys to help take this guy down. Now, that's 62. I'm 54. I was born in 67. So everything I know about the 60s pop culture comes from reruns that I saw in the 70s and 80s. When you come home from school, when you're sick and you're staying home from school, you're watching Gilligan's Island and Gomer Pyle and I Dream of Jeannie, very benign stuff. I had heard about dramas in the 60s. I never was exposed to them. They just weren't syndicated when I was growing up. So to watch these dramas and realize, wait a minute, the early 60s, it wasn't all Leave it to Beaver. There were some very hard-hitting topics on these shows. And if you watch that episode of Route 66, which I believe is on YouTube, I believe, Allison, that we can produce that episode today and not change one word. That's wow. how far we still need to go. And mm-hmm. it's jarring. It's absolutely jarring to hear the words and, and, and see the video and, and see the, the fervor that this character creates. Yeah, that's so wild. You had me kind of in this entire uh, question you were just answering, you had me like for a moment, I was just like wanting to be at a ballpark with some popcorn and you have this yeah. nostalgic feeling for so many things. Oh, but as you said, it is crazy how there are just so many things that are still hold up. I even, I did an episode a while back about uh, Robert Kennedy and his fight for civil rights and President Kennedy. And uh, it's just amazing how many things that were said by them that yeah. still could be said today and by someone that was alive today and it wouldn't need changing. So it is it's wild. We have this weird fantasy of nostalgia, thinking the good old days, but it's like, we're still in days that need good things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also you know, change that still needed to happen. And the country, I mean, don't you agree, Allison, that the country was unified to a certain degree? You still had political parties battling it out. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when John Glenn goes up, everybody's proud to be an American and everyone's looking to America to lead the way. We're not caught up to the Russians yet in the space race, but we're getting there. There was this feeling of pride and unity, and you didn't have this divisiveness Mm -hmm. that you have today. So it was a pleasure to go back and almost an antidote, especially during the pandemic when we're doing the copy edits and reviewing the proofs. It was a real pleasure and an antidote to what was going on during COVID and the divisiveness of the of the politics of today. I really treasured it more than when I started. What was one of the moments that you were like, holy moly, did not know that. That's incredible. Was there one that stood out to you the most? The Vaughn Meter stuff. Vaughn mm-hmm. Meter, for listeners who don't know or are too young to remember, Vaughn Meter was the JFK impersonator, not a JFK impersonator. He was the guy. He was all over television, late night uh, comedy shows, talk shows, variety shows, game shows. And he was the guy who people look to. Now you see, ladies and gentlemen, there is just someone going around this country impersonating me. I didn't mind around the New England area. I didn't mind around the Washington, D.C. area, but now it's gone just a little bit too far. (laughs) It wouldn't be so bad if this were just another guy. This is not just another guy. This fellow is also an entertainer. He's doing my act. 
Asia doing my gestures and Asia using my lines. Do not ask what this country can do for you. That's one of my original lines. And Kennedy was slightly annoyed. There's that press conference where someone says, do you enjoy it or are you annoyed by it? And he makes a joke, he says, well, annoyed, but I think he sounds more like my brother Teddy than me. And Vaughn Meter uh, spearheaded this comedy album, The First Family where other characters were playing Jackie Kennedy and Bobby and so forth. And it was an instant bestseller. It, it flew off the shelves. And to see that there was something kind of, I, I can't even think of the word, Allison, but I guess unity, that this is what everyone's watching. It's a three network universe back then. I know that's hard for some people to believe. It's hard for me to believe sometimes. Only three networks. If you live in a big city, then maybe you have a couple of independent channels. But this is what people are tuning into. And the next day at the water cooler, they're saying, hey, did you see Vaughn Meter last night on whatever show that they were watching? And to have a president with a sense of humor like that and for people to respond, it wasn't done in a mean way. I know a lot of comedy today, when they're poking fun at presidents, it's mean spirited. Mm -hmm. This was not mean spirited at all. This was done very tongue in cheek. It, it's very humorous, it's gentle. And I think we've lost that to a degree when we're talking oh. about a comedy with presidents. Do you agree with that? Oh, I completely agree. I think we've lost a lot of reverence for the presidency and respect for the presidency yeah. and even the appearance of the president and stuff. I don't know if that happened with just massive amounts of media or what, but I know for a fact, obviously, JFK's affairs were kind of in the forefront, but they were hidden from the public. FDR sure. couldn't walk, but that was kind of hidden from the public as well. You Absolutely. know, there's things that, that happened that have definitely gone away. And I don't know if that's with the 24-hour news cycle of needing things or just constant cameras. I don't know what changed, but there's definitely a change I see there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Well, um, can you just let everybody know where they can follow along with your writing journey and stuff? Do you prefer your website? Do you have social media? What's your cho choice there? Well, they can go to davidkrell.com. Mm -hmm. I would like to plug the publisher because there are fantastic baseball books this year by University of Nebraska Press. So I hope people go to the UNP page, especially to the baseball uh, section and, and just take a look at some of the other offerings because I, I'm very privileged and pleased to be included among them. Uh, there are some just terrific books this summer for baseball fans. And that's one of the criticisms that I've gotten, Allison. It, people are coming into this expecting a baseball book, but I guess they didn't read the subtitle where it says mm -hmm. baseball and America. Mm -hmm. So my publisher said, get baseball in the first chapter, and it has to be at least 50%. So it is 50%. And if you look at the breakdown, as you generously uh, testified to, it's every, every chapter has a month. So there are 12 chapters. And I tried to follow along as best I could something that happens in that month in 62. The Yankees have a chapter, the Colt 45s, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Giants. And then there's a baseball throughout. So it amounts to about 50%. And then the other 50%, like we're talking about, Bo Belinsky, uh, John Glenn, you have Vaughn Meter, you have a chapter about movies, a chapter about literature. And we can't forget Jackie Kennedy. You ask what else is mm -hmm. in the book. I go into detail about that TV special yes. where she's giving mm -hmm. a tour of the White House. And one of the archivists at the library pointed me to files 
that were related, CBS letters to the White House, to the press secretary for Jackie Kennedy, uh, fan letters. I tracked down a couple of the women who were little girls in a, a, a private school back then who had to watch it and had to uh, write out what they would do if they were first lady when they grow up. And that was so adorable. And I, I tracked a couple of them down and had the pleasure of interviewing them. And that's all in chapter two. But to think how glamorous Jackie was and how underrated she was as a first lady, uh, bringing not just fashion, but comportment to a new level. When would you ever see the inside of the White House, at least the way that CBS did it in that in that documentary, for lack of a better word. And she takes people around and shows the art and shows the furniture. And they wanted it at CBS to have a lived in look. They didn't want it to be flashy and glitzy and so perfect. They wanted it to be a little imperfect. And that was a, another find for me. I don't think I knew about that TV special before. I, I think Mad Men did an episode did. relating to it. But that was the first I, I had ever heard of it. And then mm -hmm. going through the files, it's it's walking through history. Oh, absolutely. That was a huge thing. And she won Emmys for it and all kinds of stuff, which yeah. is, is nuts. All right, guys, you can get this awesome, intriguing book by clicking the direct link in the description of the podcast. I will also link the publisher site that you said in the description so everybody can uh, check that out directly and your website as well. And thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Allison. Take care. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you won't miss when next week's in-depth look at Ted Kennedy's life releases. Check out all the links in the show notes. You'll find my Amazon recommendations, my merch shop, my Patreon, and more. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.